As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And I did some weird inflection things there in that intro, but we're just going to roll <laughs> with it. That is just where we're at. Another week. This week's so much to talk about to the point that Sasha and I are actually like planning out. We were thinking this would be a mailbag episode, but we're yeah. actually going to push push that to next week. So if you're listening, ahem sky, and <laughs> you're wondering when the mailbag episode is, plan on one week from this episode. So go ahead and get those questions in now. Mind your own podcast at hailvarsity.com. You can also tweet at us at Aaron Sorensen at Sasha72. All right. That was the housekeeping. Yes. Sasha. How are you this week? I'm okay. You know, it's weird. It's just one of those weird weeks. It started off weird. Today is a weird day. Tomorrow will probably also be weird. I'm just going to embrace the weird. Yeah. I mean, this week is for me personally, the first week that I will be like traveling for work kind Mm -hmm. of in a quote unquote normal. If like you could see me, I'm just doing like excessive air quotes at the moment, like a quote unquote normal way. Um, the last time I traveled for work, I just drove to Iowa. Uh, that is how we traveled in for the 2020 Mm -hmm. season, excuse me, is we just drove anywhere we could drive. We went because with just the uncertainty of games and everything else, it just made the most sense. So like, I have not, I have been on a plane since then, but I have not been on like a work trip, if you will. And so it's definitely, um, it's definitely a, just a strange week and trying to like mentally prepare myself for that. And obviously like, and we've talked about this before, I have my own stuff. I have to work through with the fact that we were in, a pandemic for 15 months, but we are Mm -hmm. still in a pandemic, just to be clear. In fact, there are variants that are spreading like wildfire. And while I'm vaccinated, it's, it's still something where I'm constantly evaluating my role in being Mm -hmm. a good, kind human to others. So like I said, it, a lot wrapped up in my head right now for this week, but I will say for anyone listening, the Big Ten is doing, in my opinion, a really nice job for this event. It's in a big open, um, it's at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy, so it's a big open space. Uh, and they also have some pretty good COVID restrictions in place as far as ex- uh, what's expected as far as vaccines mm-hmm. versus negative testing and being asked for those things as uh, proof. So, you know, overall, I feel like it's about as safe as it can get, but still, it's hard. It's weird. It's just, I don't yeah, know. it's, I, I, I still find myself struggling with like going places where there's going to be large groups of people that I am not, I don't know really well. 
Um, we've had like, you know, some family come over and some friends that we trust. We, everyone has been vaccinated, but it's still like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Traveling yeah, I mean, is weird. We were going to talk originally, this is what we were going to talk about on this podcast, but I do think we'll probably touch on this later, maybe in an episode in a couple of weeks when we have a little bit of hindsight to look at it. But mm-hmm. I mean, when we talk about traveling and sort of life as normal, again, quote unquote, like I, no one can see me, but if you could, I'm like doing all <laughs> kinds of talking with my hands. Right constant now. bunny ears, just constant <laughs> bunny ears. It, the Olympics are getting ready to, uh, kick off, mm-hmm. uh, here in just a matter of days from the time that we are recording this. And you already have had a number of athletes who've had to drop out because, of positive tests, a member of the women's gymnastics team. She's an alternate, but she tested positive at first. They said that she'd had no interaction with the core five competing, but as it turns out, it sounds like she did practice. So now there it's a matter of uh, waiting to see if any other additional tests come back positive. Uh, the thing that we talked a little bit about on Greg Smith, the straight up breakdown podcast this week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I'd recommend checking it out, but we did talk. And I think the, the challenge for me with the Olympics is the fact that people kind of look at it as this, like, I I love the Olympics. Like I Mm -hmm. love the Olympics. If you want to talk about the one time I feel the most patriotic, it is during the Olympics. Yeah. There's something about watching the best of the best go out and compete and just be rooting for them to be as successful as they can be. And to chase these dreams. I don't know. It's like very easy to get patriotic yes, with it, agreed. which again, like patriotism is a whole separate thing. So that's why I'm saying like, I love the Olympics. Like it's the one thing that makes me be like, yay, USA. Um, I'm not feeling that this way. I'm not feeling that this year. And I think a big reason is it's not just a small core group of athletes. Like when we think of how many athletes travel it is like 11,000 just for the primary Olympics. You're talking about like another, I think I saw like 4,500 just for the um, Paralympics. It is a massive group to travel just the athletes. And you're not bringing athletes from countries that have had full access to vaccines. You're talking Mm -hmm. about countries who are currently being absolutely devastated by COVID-19. And the uptick that we're seeing in the United States is absolutely ravaging elsewhere. Like we are still like, while we're sitting here going, well, this is kind of concerning. There are other areas of the world that are like, this is not just concerning. This is, this is absolutely just, it's, it's terrible. It's just tearing things apart again. And So you have a state of emergency in Japan, you have athletes that are testing positive. And yes, I understand some of these athletes have been vaccinated. Again, you can still test positive if you have COVID or if you have the vaccine, it's all about how that virus ultimately affects you. But as we are still learning about the potential of it spreading, they don't want to take any chances because again, you're talking about thousands and thousands of athletes who then have to go back to countries all over the world. This is not something where you can go, we're 90, you know, 5% sure that the rate of transmission is X. If you're vaccinated, it's like, we can't take a chance. It just, you can't. So, uh, this is kind of what we were going to talk about, but I am just, all I want is the athletes to be safe at the end of this. That's really all. The athletes to be safe and then, you know, not, I think my worry that, and now especially seeing like athletes are testing positive, 
my worry is what you already kind of touched on is like those athletes from those countries that don't have ready access to vaccines, like Mm -hmm. bringing it back inadvertently without knowing maybe. Um, And then like causing huge spikes in numbers because even though there are so many, I mean, they're being as precautious as humanly possible um, while they're there. Um, I just, you know, you saw numbers rising here when we were in the midst of the pandemic, like when it was really bad, mm-hmm. even when people were being safe. So um, I don't know that I think that's concerning. And, and I, I feel horrible for the athletes also then on the other hand of it, having to prepare, you had an extra year to prepare, which then if you think about it, you know, their next training cycle is cut by a year because of COVID. Um, so I don't know, there's just like a lot to it and it like, it just is crazy and not normal. (laughs) And for people who want to go, well, why are we having sporting events in the United States? If this is not safe again, it's very different between one country versus, um, countries all over the world coming together there's that that's why international travel has remained a concern I Mm. said this on Greg's podcast and I joked that he was going to get uh like hate messages from like the random person who listens that's like don't make this about politics even though I've never understood that argument in this space I really don't like honestly y'all like when it comes to like vaccines like outside of like an anti-vax individual like I have never understood like how this particular vaccine became so political when like no one else talks about any other vaccine that we get for the most part Mm -hmm. um schools have required vaccines for I mean when I went to college I had vaccine requirements to be able to show up on campus there are so many layers to this that I've just I'm quite honestly confused well I mean the reality is I understand why and how it got politicized but I think it's kind of silly that it did it should have Mm -hmm. always been this is a, honestly, you want to talk about patriotism. Like if this is the most patriotic thing you can do is like care about your fellow man and like do something for them. But like, said this on Greg's podcast at this point, like, I'm not sure that me, because when I say this, people look at it and go, you're just a member of the media preaching. And mm-hmm. I, I just want to take off the media cap for a second and just say, if you are somebody who's on the fence and absolutely anything can be said to like, maybe have you think about it, maybe just please do some reflection on if it's it's something that is in the wheelhouse for you to go um consider getting that vaccine I it's we all want the same thing we want life to resume as normal um and I understand that we have gotten to where we are but I I hope at least in the space of like where I'm speaking and I I think like I'm not putting words into Sasha's mouth but like I believe I speak on her behalf too like we are not coming at anyone from a point of like preaching it's just simply just asking of like reflect if you can so I I actually have a perfect meme um, that I came across today that Mm -hmm. I'll read that sums up my thoughts on it pretty well really having a hard time accepting that kids sacrifice 16 plus months of their childhood to school years of normalcy mostly to protect adults from a virus that they're now choosing not to get vaccinated against making kids who can't vax more vulnerable and holding everyone hostage that's how I feel about it. It's um, at the end yeah. of the day right now, like, honestly, my biggest concern, I've got um, a, a stepson who's going to high school 
he was able to get vaccinated. He made the choice on his own. He actually came to us and asked us if he could get vaccinated. Um, but thinking about those younger kids that under 12 years old that have to go to school um, in an environment in which maybe other family members have subjected them to being around or being exposed to this virus, which we know is deadly, um, I think is just, I don't know, I, I continue to struggle with the fact uh, with how selfish it is to not get vaccinated. I'm not going to tell anyone that. I mean, I know that there are sometimes health reasons involved with people's decision to not. Yes. So and we not understand be, that yeah. to be clear. I yes. want like, I understand that there are, there are things, there are certain health and religious beliefs, like sincere yeah. health and religious beliefs, yes. not I'm making this one up just for the sake of it. And so like, I, but that's the reason vaccines are important is for those individuals as well. Right. I just, you know, we could go on about this forever and maybe we will at some point, but, um, yeah, just something as we're kind of looking at the Olympics and we start to see, um, because as I get ready to go to big 10 media days, the big talking point at big 12 media days and SEC, SEC, SEC media days. It sounds so weird today. SEC. Um, has been simply that like, especially the sec has said it, that more than likely uh, they're not going to allow postponements this fall. It will be a matter of forfeit. If a team yeah. has too many positive COVID positive tests and has to force a game to be canceled, it likely does. It seems likely that they will not allow postponements. They they're really encouraging the teams to be vaccinated. Um, the sec has said, six out of its 14 teams are 80% vaccinated, but that number needs to increase. Um, that's I mean, really at in- this point, isn't that only fair? I, th- I think that, I mean, I don't think honestly, like at this point, like we, to, but you know what I mean? Y'all, I we saw kinda- how difficult it was to reschedule games in yes. 2020. And they had like technically built in weeks for that. And it didn't matter. Those weeks got just absolutely taken with, with no hesitation. It was like, Oh, this game, this it now has to go here. They can't do that. They yeah. just, it's not a feasible solution. It puts too much stress on the athletes as well to have to completely like change the schedule. Like what you're already planning for a season, you're factoring in bye weeks training time, all of this stuff so that you can have a healthy season from start to finish. If yeah. you're now having to factor in, okay, I guess this game is now going to go one week later after the end of the season. Okay. Maybe like during championship week, you throw more games there. The reality is, is it's just not a feasible solution. So I do not blame them for starting to say, we're looking at just an op. We're just looking at forfeits. And if you're a fan who's pissed about that, um, you know what, you know, who's probably going to, I, I don't think you can require at this point, although like, yeah. who's like stopping a coach from like, doing it like the the oh my gosh sorry we do have another topic but like i do want to just point this out the university of indiana was actually taken to court over this they were taken to court over requiring vaccines to come to campus they won this is like the thing is if if a football team or a school decides to like make it mandatory I'm not sure how much legal ground based on the precedent that just got set in indiana that other people are going to have right um Again, 
there are other vaccines that are absolutely required on campuses across the country. Like this is not new. Um, but the reason I say that the, my point being is if Nick Saban wants to eliminate any possibility that like his team is going to have to forfeit a game, like he does not, he is a coach that does not like outside influence influencing his team. He wants whatever influences his team happening within his team. He does not need like unexpected factors coming in and taking things sideways. So I just want to point this out as we get ready for big 10 media days, as you're a fan, keep an eye on what they're saying, because I'm telling you, I'm watching this and you're starting to see other countries like France require them to go to big public events. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, I, if like, here's the thing is this is going to get, this is going to, you're going to see the worst of people on the internet, which does lend itself really well uh, to nice. what we do want to talk about, but you are going to see the worst. You're going to see the worst of opinions, the worst of um, misinformation. Honestly, y'all, like if if you are championing for vaccines and like wanting like a healthy football season, volleyball season, soccer, you name it, you might have to just log off for a bit and just let people have that argument because. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is where we are right now. And that does fit with what we want to talk about today a little bit more. We, so this is perfect. We got a little bit of both. <laughs> but the thing is, is when we talk about people being awful online, what started this conversation between Sasha and I uh, separately before we recorded was what is currently happening with Naomi Osaka. Uh, f- for anyone who is not familiar, but you should be very familiar with Naomi. She's a championship She's a championship level winning tennis superstar. Um, she is, she has been very outspoken on her mental health. Uh, she's also been a champion and, and really wanted to speak up for those who don't necessarily have the platform and the voice to speak themselves. So she has become known for the, the mask that she has worn, having names like Brianna Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, George Floyd, um, different individuals uh, that, that have been lost at at the hands of police that she wants people to know who they are. And she has quickly become villainized for this as a, um, by certain groups of individuals. So to give just a backstory on kind of what has happened here, she made headlines in May uh, when she had announced that she would not participate in post-match news conferences during a tournament. She later left the French Open and withdrew from Wimbledon, saying that she was going to prioritize her mental health. She she quickly received a lot of um, negative feedback for those decisions, being called weak, uh, being called just use your imagination and you can come up with the things that were called of her. It came to a head once again this week because recently she has uh, had a Barbie unveil, which is a really, really cool Barbie. Uh, She has launched a docu-series on Netflix. She has been on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, as well as Vogue Japan and Time Magazine. She's been very busy. Um, because of those choices to not participate in media following uh, certain events or to drop out of certain events because she wanted to prioritize her mental health, she became the subject of criticism from, and criticism is too kind of a word, I want to be clear, but I'm just trying to like give you just 
the information. We'll dive into thoughts on this in just a second. But she became the, the target, if you will, of Megyn Kelly and Clay Travis, who both just decided to tweet about Naomi and her her decision to prioritize her mental health and how apparently in their world this conflicted from her being on these magazine covers, having a Barbie, doing other media. Right. So Clay Travis said, since since Naomi is saying she's too introverted to talk to the media after tennis matches, Naomi Osaka has launched a reality show, a Barbie, and is now on the cover of this Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Of course, Megyn Kelly joins in and says not to forget about these interviews and these other magazines and blah, 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 blah. Osaka, uh, Naomi Osaka responded, and I'll link this because I'm reading from an NBC News or I'm using an NBC News article as a little bit of a guideline. So we will link all uh, stories that we're mentioning here so you can go see them. In a since deleted tweet, uh, Naomi did respond and said, seeing as you are a journalist, I would have assumed that you'd have taken the time to research what the lead times are for magazines. If you did that, you would have found out that I shot all of these covers last year and said your first reaction is to hop on here and spew negativity. Do better, Megan. And then the 23-year-old tennis champion blocked Megan Kelly. Um, she apparently from other people started responding going, oh, she blocked me too. And here's, here's the thing. I had a moment of like really thinking about this because I started to see a conversation where people are like, don't use the block button, use the mute button because it doesn't give people the satisfaction of being like knowing that you just like they got under your skin. Mm -hmm. They can keep yelling at you, but you'll never know. And the reality is y'all, that's not how muting works. I've muted people. I kind of have a, I kind of have a, a guideline with muting versus blocking. Muting is if you're just annoying to me, like you're not, you're not saying anything offensive, but you're just annoying I'm probably going to mute you. Yeah. If you're being offensive, if you are attacking me or like the people who, after I asked Trev Alberts about two positions he has surrounding diversity and inclusion and called me racist for asking those questions. And a person who said I was just looking for attention. I'm sorry, you're getting blocked because you know what? I don't need that. I don't need yeah. you reading anything from me. I don't need you to have access to me any longer. I don't care if you go off at that point and think I'm a snowflake or sensitive. We are human beings who are allowed to have emotion and I do not owe you a damn thing. You do not need to have access to me. And so Naomi, who has been incredibly, I'm sorry to get so passionate about this, but she has been very outspoken on her mental health. Mm -hmm. She has... <laughs> She has not like she has not like hidden any of this. She has been very honest. And the fact that people are attacking her and saying, well, you said that you were an introvert, which, by the way, introverts can can do. Believe it or not, we function in society like everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Y'all, I'm an introvert. If people need the under like, go look the word up in the dictionary. The difference between an extrovert and introvert is where you get your energy. An extrovert mm -hmm. gets their energy from people and being around people. Um, introverts are drained by that and have to recharge on their own. I am somebody who I, I am an introvert. I've taken all the fun little tests that you're supposed to take. And every single one is like, hey, Aaron, you're an introvert. And so you might go, but you're so good at talking to people. Oh, but you love to. That is not what an introvert. Yeah. like. It, it's like you're basically saying, because I'm an introvert, I'm not capable of functioning in society. Like, I think that a lot of people <laughs> think the word that being introverted means that you 
like refuse to be around people and are a hermit. That's not what it means. Yeah. Like, at all. <laughs> it's just like Naomi's Naomi is 23 years old. And the fact that she is at an age where she is under so much pressure and it is mm-hmm. so hard to navigate life. Like I think 10 years ago, being in her shoes, like at that point in my life, I was like in a really bad mental space. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I was, you know, I wasn't doing anything that like from an outsider's perspective probably would have like been alarming, but I mean, I didn't feel good. I would wake up every day. I didn't feel great. I was drinking way too much. Mm-hmm. I, and like, it's just because like, there's things I was doing that like in hindsight, I'm like, I didn't have the tools at that point in my life to acknowledge, like, this is probably anxiety. This is probably just like, I'm having a bad mental health day. Like every time, like I would even kind of go down that path, I would start to think like, what's wrong with me? Because that's the way people make you feel. Right. For Naomi to acknowledge and to have worked really closely also, by the way, with her agent, who is super protective of her space and acknowledge like, I can't function well and be the best I can be if I'm going to feel like crap. Right. And if my mental health is suffering, I can't be the best athlete. The fact that people like, and it's not just Clay Travis, it's not just Megan Kelly, but the fact that people like them and others view that as a sign of weakness for her and then use it as a, like, use it against her as this thing of like, well, apparently Naomi can't do anything, but just show up and play tennis because God forbid she has a Barbie. She's now contradicting herself. Like, get out of here with that. Like, get, get out of here. Like, seriously, people don't realize my friend, Elika Sadegi tweeted this at Clay Travis. You're smarter than this. Like, I get it. If you think Megan Kelly and Clay Travis are idiots, like the reality is they are smarter than that. They know how to pander to people. And that is exactly what they're doing. And it's frustrating as crap to me because you may think like their politics and their this and this are bad, but those two people are smart enough to know how to, they know how to a sort of like weaponize. Yeah. They're they're playing to their audience and their audience happens to be a lot of hateful people. It seems like granted when I, when looking at the responses to her, to Megan Kelly's tweet about being blocked it looks like she got ratioed a little bit, but uh. <laughs> they both did. Thankfully, thankfully, yeah. Twitter showed up. Well, it wasn't going that way at first. So shout out to the people who started going, no, we're not. We're not allowing this. Yeah, I, it just... uh, I don't understand. Um, I think my comment to you after reading through all this this morning was that it pisses me off that people can just gloss over mental health because they don't seem to think it matters or they're pandering to their audience and just like feeling the flames of a narrative that they know is going to get them noticed in some way. Like I don't buy into the bullshit, um, any, oh gosh, I don't even remember what the stupid cliche is anymore, but basically any attention is good attention. That's bullshit. No. You want like your name to be in the news. So you're going to attack a 23 year old athlete for taking care of her mental health. Like you can like piss off like for real. <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean like, and this is kind of fits with this, this opinion piece that I sent to mm. um, 
Sasha, it's by Roxanne Gay, big fan of hers. And actually it was provided to me by Derek Peterson, a member of Hale Varsity staff. He shared it, but she, she wrote the column and it's titled why people are so awful online. And she talked about joining Twitter 14 years ago. And I mean, mm-hmm. I've been on Twitter since 2008, so I'm getting pretty close to that time frame, about 13 years. And when we all first joined Twitter, I'd say 10 to 15 years ago. And it's in fact, really how I got to know Sasha, like through Twitter, you got to meet people that you maybe wouldn't have had your paths cross otherwise. And you like, for me, like, and again, to speak about Sasha, it was like, I got this chance and this opportunity to meet somebody that I thought was really cool. It was awesome that like Sasha went from a Twitter friend to a real life friend. Like that is what made Twitter and social media so special Mm -hmm. is you got this chance to like share your opinions, share some memes. Um, I shared a lot more of my personal self on Twitter, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, we had definitely, I just say more fun. It's, it's Twitter is how I got my job. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about this too, just like, it seemed like it was, it seems like it's been decades ago. Was it really wasn't that long ago, but like watching award shows, on Twitter and like interacting with people and like saying funny stuff while you're watching a show or like, um, what's the police? It was a show on HBO. I think, um, I always quote Matthew McConaughey in it. The earth is a flat or time is a flat Mm -hmm. circle, but we all watched that show together. I can't think of the name of it, but yeah. I mean, people watch like every, like Breaking yeah. Bad, football games, mm-hmm. um, baseball games. I remember, yeah. Like insert any sport here. Like if there's a big yeah. sport thing happening, the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember like actively when the, the Spice Girls reunited at the 2012 Olympics, like Twitter, even people who didn't care about the Spice Girls, Twitter was such a fun place to be because yeah. everyone was just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was fun. It's, it's not just, fun anymore it's changed fundamentally and I really encourage you to go check out at Hill Varsity. It'll be in the show notes, this, this opinion piece from Roxanne Gay, because she, she kind of mulls over why it has changed. And, you know, a lot of us feel alone, to be honest with you. We spend a lot of our days feeling like our voices aren't heard. Like we don't have spaces to speak that we don't have a place to belong. Um, And plus in, in the real world there, like, I love how she says this, Online spaces offer the hopeful fiction of a tangible cause and effect, an injustice answered by immediate consequences. On Twitter, we can wield a small measure of power, avenge wrongs, punish billions, exalt the pure of heart. These are things that like don't necessarily happen in your day to day. You you don't we always we always joke that like somebody wouldn't say these things because they're hiding behind a you know, a fake name, a, a lack of it, but how many people are you starting to see that are using their real names, using a mm-hmm. photo, but still saying things that I, I really don't feel they would say in real life because they're immediately met in that situation in real life with somebody's face. They have to say it directly there. They have to watch that person react. They have to um, look you in the eye. And there's something that is very, um, there's just something very raw about that, that I think yeah. when you are on social media even with your name present you feel like protected you almost feel protected from like the consequence of your words it's a hell of a lot easier to be confrontational when you're sitting behind a computer or behind your phone 
because you can leave. Exactly. You like, I don't know. You don't how have many to times... face any co- immediate consequences because you can say what you wanted to do and then throw your garbage in the trash, you know? Yeah. I've had people who do that, who come into my mentions and say something to me where it's like dropping a bomb. Mm-hmm. And if I respond, they never respond. It's like they, they, they say what they have to say and then they leave and they never come back. And it's such a shitty thing to do to somebody because then you have left that for me to have to sit with, but you're never going to reply. Or maybe you'll reply like three three days from now. And it's yeah. just, you know, you have, you have this thing now. And so like, I don't want to read all of Roxanne's column. Cause I said like, you really need it's to really good, but she says we have all become hammers in search of nails. We're all looking for things to call out. We're looking, um, we're, we're weaponizing our own vulnerability and we're, uh, assuming the worst in people. We're having bad faith arguments. And I mean, reasonable arguments like y'all, like, let's just go back to the top of this podcast. We talked about vaccines, which again, whether we understand why or not has become this political topic and mm-hmm. people very charged up. There is no way to have a healthy conversation on Twitter around vaccinations because you're going to get this this person that other people will go, oh, it's just a bot. But I'm sorry, not all of these these responses are bots. Like there are sometimes mm-hmm. just very real people who come along and they're not looking to have a good faith argument with you. They're yeah. not looking to have like a different They're looking opinion. to give you their opinion and then yeet themselves out of the equation. Yeah. And they're looking to drop it on you in a way that sometimes is massively insulting to you. Yes. It's the, well, you're just an idiot. You're just this, you're just a dumb, like, I don't know how, like you're a sheep, you're, you're a dumb. And I mean, y'all I've heard it both ways. I want to be clear. Mm -hmm. I like, we sometimes say the worst of it is the extremes on both sides, but it's always like, you're a dumb liberal, you're a dumb this, you're a dumb conservative. And it's just like, it does, there's no, like, there's no, like, there's not a middle ground. I remember at the beginning of this pandemic, I made one tweet about how this was serious and just to take it seriously. And I had people who were like literally telling me I'm I'm an idiot. I shouldn't even be allowed to speak on this subject matter. And, you know, I was kind of thinking at the time, like, I'm not giving any medical advice. I'm not saying like go do this. I was just like, take this thing seriously because everything that like I am looking at seems it's like it's very serious. And I have people who are literally stay in your lane. It's just like kind of what inspired this podcast is what is my lane? Is my lane to just sit and talk about sports all day, every day? Like, is and even then sports are political, but like not political in the way that people make them out to be. And the thing that like with Naomi, when she blocked Megyn Kelly and Megyn Kelly then goes and tweets it. Oh, she blocked me after throwing a shot at me. She blocked me. Look at that. Look at that snowflake. Here's the thing that's stupid. Naomi did not need to mute Megan to feel some kind of satisfaction. Naomi said, this is not healthy for me. Yep. This is not somebody who deserves to have access to me. So I'm going to remove that access and I'm going to move on with my life. That is how I feel. And there are many people that I've muted that probably deserve to be blocked. And I'm probably going to change how I approach this now in light of Naomi mm-hmm. because why do I owe you? Why do I owe you a safe space to feel like you get to yell at me as much as you want, regardless of the fact that I can't see it, but you still have access to me, right? You get to like read what I'm saying and have this power that you still feel you have, even if I don't respond. I was going to bring up, I actually went and looked for this account because I wanted to 
make sure it was still out there. It still is. It's a troll account um, of somebody I used to work with. I'm not going to say where, I'm not going to say the name, but this person would troll uh, several employees at this place. And for whatever reason would target me and use specific stuff from my past that they had Googled or whatever to be like, to discredit me or say that I was dumb or I didn't have, I shouldn't have a voice because of da, 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 da. And it was like super personal shit. And I only muted them because I did it. I thought at the time, this was several years ago, like this is a while ago, but I thought that if I blocked them, that I somehow was giving them power to know that they got to me. But now I'm like, after seeing and like actually paying attention to my mental health and stuff, like taking away that access from somebody is more taking care of myself than it is validating them. And that's really the reality with what Naomi is doing and what, when she says, and I want to be clear too, I'm a member of the media. I'm somebody who relies on some of the, the press conferences Mm -hmm. that she was not participating in, but I'm going to be honest, like even in my, in my space, like I get it. Like there are, there are athletes in my career that I wish I would have had the opportunity to cover, but they chose that this wasn't something that, that served them. And so because of that, I didn't get the opportunity to interview them as I would have liked, but I respect it. Like, I think, I think often of JD Spielman, Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have had him speak more because I think his voice would have been incredibly powerful and vital. I think he could have offered perspective that would have been important, but he did not feel that that was a space that was good for him. Mm -hmm. It was not something that he, it was just not something that, he felt would give him. It wasn't like enriching to him. Right. And here's, here's the thing. We would have photo shoots with him for our yearbook and other stuff. And he had just this big, bright personality. I remember he would show up with these really cool contact lenses in, or he'd bring some like really fun grills. And he would just like, his personality would come out and you'd sit there and you'd just think like, oh, I would love to know more about him. But he Mm -hmm. prioritized his space and his space was not to allow as much media. He didn't want that, but that didn't mean he couldn't come in and do a really cool photo shoot. And he still highlighted his personality. And I never looked at JD and thought, oh, what a monster for not letting us uh, interview him. It was always, yeah, I would love it, but this is what, this is what is good for him. Mm -hmm. So I respect his boundaries, but there were a lot of people, fans and other media included that, talked negatively about that but at the same time you speak too much to the media and suddenly now you're I mean this is a totally like opposite end of the spectrum but like look at the response to LeBron James Mm -hmm. he had Space Jam a new legacy come out and um within like a matter of days I saw tons of tweets about people who were like he's just an attention seeker he goes to his kids games and all he does is coach and like he doesn't stay out of the way and it's like you know it would do the same thing you're vilified no matter what you do if you if you're if you are big and personable and you give the media everything they want and you um are outgoing and this and that and you love people i'm guessing i'm totally projecting i don't know he'd have to clarify i'm guessing lebron james james is an extrovert i think he gets his energy from people you kind of see him come to life when he's around a lot of Mm -hmm. people so that's why I would say I kind of think he might be and but 
people are like, he should do less. Yeah. But then you have Naomi. She should do more. It's, it's just- a lose-lose situation, I feel like, anymore. because, And especially, like, I mean, I'm small potatoes compared to <laughs> superstar athletes. But I think that, that we put, and I say we as a blanket statement, we put so much pressure on athletes or superstars or, or celebrities to be so perfect all the time. But if they're too much one way or too much the other, like they're in a lose lose situation. Like you're either giving too much or you're not giving enough and either way you're effing jerk for it. And I'll be honest. And I can already hear the, I can already hear the person groaning for me saying it. And to that, I don't care, but also please, please, please pay attention to the fact that this happens more often to black athletes and it happens a lot to women, but I'm, I'm really saying specifically to athletes of color, there is a, there is the, um, the very stereotypical ideas of like the label of angry gets dumped on, especially women of color, um, unfairly Mm -hmm. there's, there's just a lot of leeway that is given to white athletes. And I, I say that even as a woman, um, our emotions are often celebrated. Um, they're, they're often viewed as this great thing that like, Oh, good for you for showing emotion and doing this. But if the same level of emotion comes from an athlete of color or a celebrity of color, it becomes a, um, it's, it's becomes this, they're angry. They're this, they're that there's so many words that are just very heavily charged. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think having the, at least awareness of the fact that when we're talking about some of these athletes, I don't really care if you think LeBron James is incredibly wealthy and has everything in the world. He does get villainized. Like he, he is, he is the villain to a lot of people, but I often question how much of that also plays in the fact that he is a successful black man. And again, if you're somebody who's sighing at me over this, I need you to just step back for a second. I need you just to step back for a second and maybe look at other athletes who Mm -hmm. have had similar big careers and ask yourself, you know, how is Tom Brady treated? Right. And I don't mean that as like anything against Tom Brady. Like, it's not a thing where it's like, I'm saying that like, it's just, I think what was going on with Naomi is just so shitty on so many levels because she's a young person who's acknowledging her mental health, which so many young people have a hard time acknowledging themselves. Terms and, with, yeah. Yeah. And so the fact that she is at the age she is at and saying, this is something that affects me. And by the way, if anyone, if any of the people who've been critical spent any time, it's not a reality show, actually spending time watching her docuseries on Netflix, you would find she talks about her mental health. She talks about how overwhelming it is to be in her shoes and how people want so much from her. And so in the process of kind of realizing this thing, she had to eventually just say, you know what? I do not care what people think of me anymore. I cannot care because if I care, I am no longer prioritizing me and I'm going to lose myself in Mm -hmm. this process. So I encourage people who haven't go watch her docuseries because you will get to know her. But I mean, how 
how many times they like, I'm sorry, I, I could go on, but like, think of somebody like Gabrielle Douglas when she was selected for the last Olympics and people didn't like the way she looks like she's mad all the time. She, mm. oh, she doesn't look like she's grateful to be in her spot. Oh, she didn't deserve this. Like there are so many things that got dumped on that young woman. And I stumbled upon her on TikTok the other day. And I thought to myself, I hope she's doing all right because she yeah. got just absolutely shit on just absolutely shit on for having facial expression (laughs) for having a facial expression that like Michaela Maroney did too, but people turned it into a meme and thought it was funny. Right. Y'all like, I think people are going to figure out that when I get fired up, I say y'all, but I, (laughs) I, I think as a, a member of the media and sports, like where I find myself and my challenge to myself in this is I'm always trying to ask my Am I contributing to like, am I benefiting an athlete and actually like helping? Like, obviously, sometimes hard stories have to get written. That's not it. But like, am I contributing to potential like mental distress on their on their part? And I think also acknowledging like how I speak, the words I use, like I have actively taken um and I've, I, I use it now very hesitantly. People can be well-spoken. I want to be mm-hmm. clear, but oftentimes that is a word that gets used very specifically about black people because it's used as a way to be like, can you believe that they're well-spoken like that? Right. So it's not that well-spoken cannot be used. You just have to be mindful of how it is being used and in what context. So I'm constantly evaluating my word choice. And is there a better way for me to describe someone? Um, and that's across the board. Is there a better mm-hmm. way for me to describe this individual? Because well-spoken is probably actually they're engaging. They're incredibly yeah. charming. They're, um, they light up. Like there's so many more beautiful, powerful words to use anyway, to explain somebody that you don't need to fall back on words that tend to have racist undertones or um, unintentional meanings toward an individual. So I have no issue with Naomi or any other athlete calling out media when it is warranted. Um, It's a good wake up call and a good reality check, but I just... Gosh, I sorry. Think- I have all these examples. And the other one, y'all, like Marshawn Lynch, his I'm just here so I don't get fined. Again, another person who's like, I don't want to do this, but I'm having to do this because you will all, I will get fined and you will all come after me if I don't. Right. I, I mean, I, I think like trying to, I always try to think about what it's, what it would be like to be in that person's shoes. Like, can you imagine in your life, have like going to be fined if you don't show up to a press conference after you had like let's say you're in sales what if you had a shitty week of sales what if you're like a car salesperson and you have to go and do a press conference but you'll get fined if you don't after you just had the worst week of your freaking life and you didn't sell a damn thing and that's what you depend on Mm -hmm. that'd be like an athlete going up and having to do a press conference after losing or getting picked apart. I just posted something on Twitter. It was a a video of what if we asked male athletes, the same questions that we asked female athletes, like think about why people get stressed out about certain stuff. Think about why you get stressed out in your own personal life. And then having to go do the last thing that you freaking want to do. And then getting blasted for it on the internet, because you didn't want to go and do that thing. 
Like I can't imagine the pressure of having to go to a press conference, regardless of if it's after a win or a loss as an athlete, if you have any kind of anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, anxiety sucks, by the way, look up what actual anxiety is, because I think that people kind of don't understand what anxiety is either, but just like the mental drain of having to be performative all the freaking time, Mm -hmm. you have to be on all of the time. That sounds exhausting. Just thinking about it, let alone actually being the person who has to go and do this. And I don't think it matters if you're paid or not. Now I will say, and this is, this is one caveat to this. I can understand why a head coach needs to speak. So if I were to talk about like who I do feel like needs to come to a podium and have that conversation, uh, a head coach who is responsible for an entire team. Mm -hmm. um, I think absolutely. Now there are situations like say Naomi who no, her coach isn't going to come because she's essentially like, she is the team. She is in a way her own, like, Yes, she has a coach, but like it's a very different setup. It's similar to like gymnast, mm-hmm. where yes, you have a coach, but you're kind of the owner of yourself. But like, you know what? If we have had those where coaches come up and they're like, yo, I'm just not, I'm not mm-hmm. feeling this today. And it's like, all right, well, I, I get that. You, I mean, we still have some questions for you and we yeah. need to like, but at the same time, like that to me is different. Like it's like the difference of a CEO. Yeah. being required to speak or like an employee. And I'm not and, saying that that players and athletes and, and things like that shouldn't do press conferences. I just no, think that like, I think that broad sweeping brush, like just yes. being aware of what that pressure must be like, like mm-hmm. no one wants to do a press conference. They're necessary though for, you know, they, the, they are, they are nature. They are a piece of the job. Now I yes. will say again, as a member of the media, maybe there are ways that in the future we can start to maybe evaluate how press conferences are handled to better suit individuals who um, really look at that and go, this, this is not good for me. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I have found that some, some athletes do exceptionally well in press conference environments. Yeah. It's like, it's where they, they shine, but for some athletes, it's, it's better in a one-on-one, a small group setting. So maybe it's something where even as members of the media, we need to evaluate how we set things up for athletes and even maybe potentially coaches where if there is a situation that um, doesn't work for one individual, is there another way that it can work? And like, I'm totally open and like to like different ways of doing things. I think a lot of things are done because it's just the way it's always been done. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I see some athletes go up to a podium. Like I, I think of somebody like Tanner Farmer when he was at Nebraska, he would come up and like, podiums were his time to shine that is where like he like the best things came out of his mouth then but when you'd get him off to the side yeah he'd be great too but like for some reason things just clicked for him when he was in a uh press conference environment so maybe that's just maybe that's part of and so now you're all listening to to me have this moment of like clarity too where it's like maybe it's something that we need to evaluate the ways that we speak to one another because kind of similar to being an introvert, certain settings are much friendlier to me. So is that the case for athletes and coaches? Absolutely. We're all different to expect everyone to be able to do things the same and to have the same skill set is sort of silly. Mm -hmm. So you don't expect that like in in a job, like everybody has different skill sets, you know? Um, So just, I don't know. Like, that's actually a really good point, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I'm just now kind of having this moment where I'm like, maybe, maybe this is the time where 
we can start actually like with the, with the fact, if we truly listen to athletes who say like, because again, think of someone like Marsh, Marshawn Lynch, he, he showed up to those press conferences and like, I'm just here. Cause I don't want to get fined. But like Marshawn Lynch is like, was one of like the biggest characters when you got him kind of like in his own different environments, like put one single camera on him and let him kind of have fun. And like, you'd see the personality. So like, clearly what wasn't working for him here worked so much better here. And maybe that's not always possible in every situation, but why wouldn't you want to set people up for success? I wouldn't go expect somebody to be a great TV anchor. If they're a radio host, those are very different things. So why are we making people have to be exceptional at all things when Hey, that just might not be your space. Maybe your space is over here. Yeah. I just the thing is, is like, I think if we take anything from this conversation, which there was a lot of layers in this, I think we go back to this all the time, but I think it's having moments of reflection when we mm-hmm. get upset or we see something where we want to react so negatively, especially when we talk about Roxanne Gay's um, column. Mm-hmm we have created a space on the internet that is no longer friendly. I love this community for this podcast because I feel like we have been allowed to have really real conversations and we hear from you where you say, Hey, this isn't something I necessarily agree with, but like, I'm willing to have the conversation that makes my heart sing because we're not asking you to think the way we do, but we're just asking for the ability to have good faith conversation, good faith argument and not have it turn into those terrible Twitter messes of like people just yelling at each other right well nothing like think about it in like your personal life has anything ever constructive come out of just screaming at each other in an argument like sometimes arguments devolve into that not necessarily screaming but yelling because people are upset has anything like when I think about my own life I cannot think of a single instance where just yelling because I got upset got me anywhere didn't get me anywhere, but when the conversation people down, yes, I shut down myself. If I'm getting yelled at, mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to someone yelling at me, you know, but if it's a constructive conversation and it's just approached a little differently with some calm and some listening on both sides, a lot more gets accomplished. Like I actually hear what the other person's saying versus just like screaming at each other and like all caps, like you're an idiot. Like, it, okay, cool. Bye. Like, I'm not listening to you anymore at this point. Difference of opinions have made the world go round forever. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with a sincere difference of opinion if you're willing not to at least all. have a conversation. I think where I get frustrated at this point is just the fact that it has turned into a space where when we talk about the internet, when we talk about sort of allowing space for people to exist, um, we, we want to shut people down and we don't want to hear them. We don't want to... Um, we don't want to provide empathy. We don't want to provide a place of love. Um, I think it's just respecting one another. Obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to respect somebody who's telling you that you suck or giving you an opinion. That's like, just y'all, y'all, you all know what we mean. Like there are instances where, no, you, you don't have to like, except somebody like, like if somebody told you Santa Claus, if any of you are, I'm going to change that because if any of you are listening (laughs) with children, um, Santa Claus is great. If anyone tells you that like cars can fly, you'd be like, what? No, they don't. They drive on the ground. Like you'd say like, that's no, like we're not going to, that's not an argument to have because they Mm -hmm. literally don't. I mean, Elon Musk might be on it, but like 
it does it right now. Right. Um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Santa Claus is very much real, though. For mm-hmm. anyone who's asking, he lives he lives at the North Pole, and he is a magical, magical person. Maybe we'll have him yes. as a guest sometime. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> right around Christmas time. <laughs> right around the Get holiday Santa season. To, to spread some cheer. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I feel like this is probably where we should end this episode. Um but we do appreciate you and we'd love to hear from you. We're going to, in the next episode, will be a mailbag. We'll put a call out for questions on Twitter as well, but you can email us at mindyourownpodcast at hillvarsity.com. I am at Aaron Sorensen. She is at Sasha72. So you can, you can tweet at us anytime. You can help make Twitter a better space, which by the way, so, so many of you do. Thank you for listening to this podcast and know that like we see so many of you on social media and you make me just so proud to have you as listeners when I see the good yes. that you are spreading and the fact that you still make things like Twitter a very good space. So keep doing that. And yeah, that's that's really it. Just keep yeah. being a good community to one another. And thank you for giving us this community because like I said, you're some of the best parts of the internet. Agreed. <laughs> really. You guys are amazing. I love our well, listeners. <laughs> I did want to say one last thing. If you want a bigger discussion, we've we've plugged a bunch of podcasts, but I do want to say if you want a bigger discussion, if you want a mental health check-in, go check out the Meathead Test Kitchen uh, podcast this week with Sasha and Sadie. Sadie has been on our podcast before as well, but they do an amazing job. I love their mental health check-in. So if you're looking for just a, a check-in, a further check-in for yourself, mm. please go check out Meathead Test Kitchen. I did want to say that sooner, but I do think it's important. So we do that now with that. <laughs> the third, the third week of every month, there is a trigger warning on this episode. Episode, uh, trauma, abuse, and assault, but it was a good conversation. So thank you for plugging that. Was- oh, I always appreciate the just raw and realness of Meathead Test Kitchen. So I feel like a lot of our listeners here would very much enjoy um, Meathead Test Kitchen, no matter where you are in your health journey. Trust me, like I think you'll be a big fan of those two, especially if they ever record on a Wednesday and have to uh, fight the city of Omaha's tornado sirens. <laughs> They're three minutes long, by the way, in case anyone was wondering, I have That's that amazing. knowledge for no reason other than annoyance. <laughs> amazing. Well, Hey, I am just thrilled. I appreciate Sasha that you are a internet friend who became a real life friend. And I'm glad that we have this space and we'll be back next yes. week. To take some mailbag questions. It'll be great. See you next week. See ya. Bye. A Huda Media Production.